people can make it through when you're really being clear about what is the change, what is the purpose, and then giving that support piece with it as well. Welcome to the Home Run Leadership Show. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Webb. If you hate long meetings, frustration, and division, this is your guide to better, faster team decisions. If you face ongoing leadership stress, tune in today for Home Run Leadership Stories of Success. Greetings, everyone. Dr. Dave Webb, and welcome to the Home Run Leadership Show. Today's webinar, our webcast, our podcast, features two outstanding elementary principals that like to have a lot of fun. They're outstanding principals, and they're going to introduce themselves. Uh, I think they were deep in a reading of Home Run Leadership, your guide to better, faster team decisions. So there you go. Thanks, Vanna. So uh, Terry and Susie, do you want to introduce yourselves and we'll get started? Absolutely. No, we do, we do like to have a lot of fun. We like to work hard and we like to have a lot of fun. And so um, we do uh, refer to this constantly uh, in our practice. And we're going to share that with you today, professionally and personally, how we do that. But um, before we do, uh, again, I'm Terry Britai. I'm the principal at Kaposia Education Center in South St. Paul. And uh, Dave and I started working together about 12 years ago. It was in my second year as a principal. And um, prior to that, I was a fourth grade teacher and an assistant principal in South St. Paul. So I've been there um, quite a length of time. Uh, I started, as I said, as a fourth grade teacher and as a coach. And so part of my development as a leader was was kind of old school. And it was kind of came from the day where you kind of told kids to do things and they did it. You kind of told your players to do things and they did it. And, and things have changed over time. And Dave really helped me realize that there's a different way to decision-making that's consensus-based, that works better, uh, that works for a longer period of time, that um, uh, gains ownership from people who are involved in it. And um, it really transformed who I have become as a leader. And we're just excited to share some stories with you today that, that um, show that in our growth. Great as that. Susie, go ahead. Yeah. Hi, I'm Susie Prather. I'm the principal at OH Anderson in Matamidi. It's a three through five building. Um, I've been in education for 29 years as a first grade teacher, reading teacher, public, private, and I'm starting my 15th year as a principal um, in Matamidi. I was also in Edina and in Hudson as well. So I have used some of these um, tips. I've learned them through Terry. And then also um, Dave was one of our speakers at University of um, Wisconsin River Falls when we did a principal summer academy. So he um, taught this to some of our graduates as well. And so this is just a part of who we are in our decision making. And so we're excited to share some of our home run stories with you as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it was great to speak to your class, Susie. Thanks for the invite in. In the Home Run book, I think it was on page uh, oh. page 44. We're going to go to page 44 of Home Run, Home Run Leadership. So there is a chart that you kind of referred to, Terry, about regular leadership and home run leadership being a continuum. Yeah. So regular leadership really is about my way, deciding myself, telling people what to do, the continuum and the shift to home run leadership. And it really is a shift for a lot of, especially young leaders to mm-hmm. make the shift to say, uh, what do we decide together? How do we collaborate and get to a decision to the, together? And oftentimes new leaders get scared, they skip bases, and then they get into trouble. So today you're going to hear a bunch of stories from Terry and Susie about 
we've all stepped in it. We've all made mistakes along the way. Uh, but uh, home runs that they've hit with students and their staff uh, and beyond. Mm-hmm. So uh, that shift is important. And uh, let's focus on that today. And Terry, you want to kick us off with a student story yeah, about yeah. running the bases and touching all four? Absolutely. And And before we get to that, you know, uh, we wanted to just share how, you know, leaders many times take personality inventories or leadership surveys and whatnot. And we, oddly enough, are the same, we have the same default and we're, people call it red or people call it north, right? And that's just kind of how we grew up and early in our careers, who we were. So we're workhorses. We'll go and do and we'll jump and we want to, we're producers, right? Um, And You're also deciders, right? Yeah. You like to decide, jump in, take action. Yeah. So early on, we would think, you know, we obviously would gather facts in any situation, whether it's a student situation or system um, uh, change or or something like that. But reactions, we weren't really interested in them. And that we wanted to kind of get moving and go because, you know, the pace of our jobs and administration and in schools, it's fast paced. and. Um, we thought early on that the quicker you do things and the more decisions you make, the better off you'll be. And it's it's rarely true. I said early on in my career that, you know, I would make unilateral decisions. I would make decisions on my own and then I'd have to back up. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said, you'd step in it and then you'd have to gather a group. And I've said for years, I've not made a unilateral decision on my own in a number of years, because you have to go with um, your group. And this is about us to kind of slow down as reds and Mm -hmm. slow down as Norths to, to um, work with a whole host of other people and to really understand where they're coming from to get to the end. So we do practice it. And, and at the elementary level with little kids and little minds Um, they like to have visuals. And so, you know, Dave had given me this years ago and I have it up in my office and, you know, the baseball analogy is perfect for elementary kids. They get it. So when, when people talk about Orid, it's listed here, but my kids generally refer to Fred and they know that F means facts. R is reactions, E is evaluate options, and then we decide and we run the base paths together. So I literally write it up on the board and we we jot down everything. Facts, generally this past week, we had a playground situation when two kids come off the playground and they have completely different stories as to what happened out there. So I have to write down their truth or their facts on first base. And we write two columns on the board and we have to keep working there, staying at first base until we come up with the story. Yeah. And how, how great is that? And can I just say what the shift that you've made from regular leadership and the home run leadership, we all have the shift is you become the pitcher mm-hmm. and what you're pitching as a facilitator are the best questions. Mm-hmm. So at, at first base, we always have to get all the information. So Second base, all the reactions, third base, all the options, fourth base, all the decisions. So there's all these different changes systems that all call it something different, whether it's ORID or what gets so what now what or Fred or uh, IROD that I try to simplify the science down into. So mm-hmm. whatever you call it, you as a leader have to be the pitcher and facilitator of questions to all the students coming in or staff coming in or the angry parent phone call. So way to go. 
Yeah. And you know, you know, kids and adults come in and they jump right to second base right away. They're, they're hot or they're upset about something and there has to be a space for that. And that's early in our careers, what we didn't give space to, and we have to give space to that. Right. Right. And so with, with little minds and little kids, we moved to second base then, and we include not only how did that make you feel, but most importantly, how did it make the other person feel? And so you're building an empathy there and you're starting to hear multiple perspectives. Um, And so people are becoming, I think they feel part of the overall solution is happening right then when you start to empathize with somebody else and hear somebody else's uh, point of view. Um, So super important. And, and as I've said, uh, second base is a great place to visit, but you don't want to live there. Right. Um, Because you generally are thinking with a different part of your brain that is not really um, rational sometimes, or it's, uh, you're not in the best frame of mind to make decisions or think about a solution. Um, so with little kids and and little minds, we go to third base and we just like brainstorm and we put it all up on the board. And it's that, what if, what, what could be from this, everything from like, you know, with, with kids, do I send you home today because you're so unsafe or Mm -hmm. do we make an apology or do we put together a presentation for your class that would show what it what it's like to live respectfully on the playground? We throw it all up there. Great. And, and they start just that process kind of gets them outside of themselves a little bit. And they start to think about, again, solutions together. Mm-hmm. And then we keep talking until what do you, you know, what do you want to do? How do we do this together? How do we, and Dave, you'd always say with kids, like, how do we make a decision so this will never happen again, right? Yeah, so, that was one of my favorites is how do we make sure this never happens again? Like what, yeah. <laughs> what parts of this plan do we need from this list of options to bring in the fourth base? So this sticks because you don't want to be here in the office. I don't want you here in the office. Your parents don't want you here in the office. So can we get to all the ideas at third base that you want to bring into fourth that will fix this, that end this today? Yeah. Yeah. And so kids get to choose. And the situation that we had this past week, uh, actually, I had the conversation a week ago with these boys and I left it up on the board because I was fairly certain we might be back running the base paths again. And sure enough, yesterday we were. And so the things that they had uh, chosen as options, we had to run the base paths again and create a new list. And now we've selected uh, hopefully a new outcome, right? So you, you don't just run it once. You In a baseball game, you run the base paths many times mm-hmm. and you keep doing it until you get the outcome that works for everybody. And um, so that's just a... That is like a weekly occurrence uh, in an elementary school. And and I do have it visible and I make it visible for kids. So they're running it with me. That's awesome, Terry. And Susie, do you want to jump in with an example from your elementary as well? Definitely. I run the base paths daily at a 3-5 building. You can imagine what comes after the playground, some of the similar situations. But I'm going to share with you just a story, what I've done with the whole class. Um, and um, we use restorative circles at OH Anderson to kind of help and um, fix problems, but we use the base paths with that. So um, at OH Anderson, sometimes students aren't as respectful as we would like to our guest teachers. And the guest teachers writes a report to the teacher, and it just didn't look like a very successful day. 
So um, we have often run circles with classes as a whole classroom community during morning meeting. And we have the talking piece. And the first round, um, we talk about what happened with that guest teacher. So every student's kind of giving their facts and their stories on round one. Round two is talking about how it made us feel. And I think this is the most important piece because we're hearing every student's voice about, you know, if so and so was uh, being disrespectful or not following our schedule. How did it make someone else feel that was like kind of frustrated, not getting things done? So you got to hear all the perspectives of kids saying, "How is this making us feel when we wasted how much time with this guest teacher? I felt like they were being disrespectful to them, and they would never have treated their teacher that way." So it's very important to really get everyone's feelings and to have every student listen to every perspective around the circle. Then the third round, third round is we talk about what are we going to do to fix it? And that's the part that I'm um, like you said, kind of the picture, but I'm also the recorder of getting everyone's ideas as kids come up with solutions and it's their voice that's really coming alive about what are they going to do to fix it? It's not my job to fix it. It's what are we going to do? Um, and we share all of those options at that time. Um, and it's important, again, to get different perspectives. And we also see kind of the trend in the room because kids will say, I agree with Johnny. Um, we do need to um, be respectful, treat him like a guest in our house. I believe we need to be better listeners, those pieces as well. And, and then, so what a gift. Keep going to fourth. Yeah. Yep. And then kind of our fourth is I just read off all of the solutions. What are we going to do? Often um, it's the kids that maybe weren't respectful to that guest teacher writing apology notes to them. Um, and then it's really talking about what is our plan for the next, next guest teacher. And we make it very visible when a guest teacher's in our classroom. These are the things we're going to do so that that guest teacher has it. The classroom teacher has it. And everyone is on the same page. So that restorative circle really follows each base, but allows every student to have a voice um, and really hear everyone's perspective in the situation as well. So the gift that you just gave to principals across the country about running a restorative circle, because every principal deals with a sub or a guest teacher from the day before that didn't go well. And so you gave a strategy to just say, hey, just touch every base, ask four questions. So change, decision-making, problem-solving, and restorative practices all follow science of four. Four science of four, that if you know IROD, you follow the four steps, you're way ahead as a principal. And then you bring the class with you in solving their problem. The old school principal would have come in, yelled at the class and told them never to do it again. Well, then they might do it again. This way, students take ownership, hear the problem, come up with a solution, and they develop the plan and hold each other accountable the next time the guest teacher is there. Huge home run. I like to call when you get 30 kids in a room and they come up with their own plan, huge grand slam. So way to go. So uh, you both have stories of really complex home runs where uh, you have large elementary schools, large staff, where you have to round the bases with a, a large team of people. Oftentimes businesses across America, we have, small businesses are the largest number numbered business in the, in the country, but there's an, a number of mid-sized businesses that are more like the size of your elementary where you have 80 to 100 people sometimes as adults in the building. So Terry, do you want to start out with a, a complex home run example, a story that you might like to share, or you just rounded the bases, were cognizant of it, how it played out and just share the story? Yeah. So um, it was roughly 10 years ago in which uh, 
we knew that student behavior was just, we were at a tipping point that we had a lot of suspensions. We had a a lot of kids who were, you know, defiant or disrespectful and it was overwhelming for staff. And so um, we had, you know, PBIS was just kind of getting up and going. And um, we were looking PBIS is as you're starting positive behavioral uh, interventions and supports. Basically there's their systems school-wide that help um, kids and staff get on the same page as it comes to kind of building management is it um, regarding building management and so you're all talking the same talk you all have the same expect expectations um, you have um, common methods as to how we um, manage kids and how we let them manage themselves hopefully in the end and so we felt like we needed we needed to be on the same page and so <clears throat> I had asked a group of staff to go to kind of an exploratory uh, PBIS informational, um, session. And they went, I did not even go. I sent a group of people and assistant principal and they went and they listened and they heard everything that PBIS can do for you. And they came back and they, so they got their base one, they got all the facts that they could. Great. And, and they came back and we met together and they were at base two and base yeah. two, the reactions that we had was that um, we were not ready for that. It was um, we have some things in place right now that seem to be replicate what PBIS can do for you. So why don't we just do this on our own? Well, two more years of student behavior that we felt was out of control and suspensions that were out of control as well. Um, two years later, we sent back another group and they came back resoundingly and said, yes, we need something to get everybody on the same page here. And so we are now in year eight of PBIS and our suspensions over that period of time just plummeted. So we felt like we needed a tiered system of support for all of our kids. That is that now we're tweaking. So we are going back to all of the elements of PBIS from the behavior matrix to the flow chart that is minor and major behaviors to the referral forms that teachers fill out to proactive strategies that we need to teach all staff on how to um, how to support kids who come from trauma or have so many barriers outside of their life that they walk through the doors with every day. And we have, I think, the most regulated building we've ever had at this moment in time. And Dave, and you and I were just talking about just the start of the school year. And I, I just feel like I use that word regulated, <laughs> that, that kids, I think, are more regulated right now than they have been in my, just in my small pocket of the world. Yeah. But I also think that they, because we've run the base paths with not only the overall system, PBIS, but the smaller elements of it, we run the base paths for every piece of it. And so I just, that was a major um, system change that can't happen in a year. It does when they say three to five years, it takes five years to get there. And and I feel like we're there and without running that process over and over on a large scale and a small scale, we wouldn't have gotten there. Um, So I'm I'm really proud of the fact that we can support our kids in a better way together uh, than we ever were before 10 years ago. And can I just compliment you on a couple of things, just kind of retracing the story. So you send a team to PBIS training, they come back, uh, they're a little concerned second base, but they share out with staff what they learn, what they know, staff kind of join in that concern. And when you look at options, do you move ahead or do you table it for right now? You were at third base, 
but there was enough negative to know that it was a warning signal to not force it through, not decide for the school, not cross home plate alone as a principal telling them, you have to do this. You allowed it to be tabled for a year or two until they went to the training again, when the staff was more ready, they came back, they shared, you got the options in front of your staff. Do we go now or do we not implement PBAS? And you have to get a certain percentage, like the majority of the will of the group, the will of the staff has to approve this in order for the state to give you grant money. So you waited until you had the majority, you moved with your school, and then they supported it and implemented it well. Mm-hmm. So a huge home run there, but you avoided a strikeout, which is a sign of another great sign of a home run leader, is you don't always have to touch home plate. You always have to be on the base path, managing around the base path. Some home runs can be three to five years in length. Mm-hmm. If you look at things like planning for construction projects, uh, just well, you're always saying, okay, Five years from now, we might need to do roofs here and boilers here and system things. So you just had a couple year home run, but you got there. And then it is five years to build a really great PBIS system. And you have, you have all the data to show. So way to go. So Susie, you have pretty incredible staff, kind of a complex staff story too. Do you walk us around the base path with your example? Definitely, definitely. As Terry said, you know, as Reds, we are systems thinkers. So this really brings me um, kind of that format to bring the staff through decision making. And so I'm going to start with my story um, was I started as a principal at my new building in 2018, um, 19 school years. So when I come into a new school, I always have um, breakfast circles where we talk about what's going well, what are some challenges and what supports do you need? And I look at what are those small little home runs I can make. um, And then what are the larger pieces as well? And as a new principal, you're always listening and learning and seeing where are some improvements to be made and then making decisions on where are we going to go first? Where are we going to get the biggest kind of bang for our buck? Can I just have you repeat those three simple questions? You blew past them pretty quickly. <laughs> There's a lot of first year principals out there that would love to have those three questions to know how to get the third base. Mm-hmm. Just coming in the building new this year to gather information so they can help their staff get quicker home runs. Say those three again. So the first one is, what are the successes or things you're most proud of of your school? Because those are the things that we want to keep and, you know, um, really just strengthen what we're doing. What are some challenges you're facing so that we know what are those common challenges? And then what support do you need from me as a leader? And we have our discussions over bagels and coffee, and that helps me to gather a lot of information in the beginning as a new leader. Wow, that's golden. So way to go. That wasn't even part of the story. So you gave us an extra bonus there. So let's get into the story. Yeah. So um, um, one of the things that my elementary school, it's a three through five um, building. So it's kind of different. There's a K2 building, three, five, and then they move to middle and high school. And one of the things that when we um, came to the school and what teachers had said is relationships weren't as strong student to student, teacher to teacher. And one of the things um, that I learned is we were departmentalizing in grades four and five. So it looked like a middle school concept. So kids went to literacy for 50 minutes, math for 50 minutes, 
um, science, social studies for 50 minutes, all had different classrooms, never had that home base feeling of this is my classroom community. Um, teachers were frustrated because it was hard to communicate, like if you're doing teamings um, for kids at all different areas. Parents um, had a hard time with communication. So we heard kind of all these kind of problems um, around the way that we did some of our classroom groupings. Um, teachers were loving that model because I was an expert in reading or I was an expert in math and I could just spend all my energy and really perfecting kind of that content area that I was um, teaching about. Um, but one of the um, things that we did is we started something called an inquiry into classroom groupings. And you can see I use the base, base pads there. Uh, the visuals are very important to me. Um, but we had meetings set aside going each base. So at first base, we really talked about what were the facts, what was the data, what were the test scores we were seeing. We were seeing super high scores in science, super low in math and reading, if you're only spending 50 minutes with that. Right. Um, behavior was um, not strong. Um, we had um, anecdotal data from parent surveys and from teacher surveys that we had. So we gathered all those facts together and really spent some time um, as a staff just adding to that list of facts. So we all knew where we were, what's our current reality here at OH Anderson. Um, then on first base, we also did some learning because one of the things that when you're making changes and decision, we always don't know what we don't know. So we did an inquiry process. We spent probably two um, more meetings and these meetings were with people that were interested in this, it wasn't just the instructional leadership team. It was anyone that was interested in this process. So it was interesting. The first meeting um, was kind of smaller, but, but when people heard about it, more people joined into this process. So we did some learning. And then base two, we talked a lot about feelings. And um, I love this process because it really separates facts from feelings. And as a red, it is important to honor both, but to really keep that separate because a lot of times those merge and meld into each other and the feelings become facts um, in some people's minds. But I think it's important to really share. So we had a separate meeting talking about feelings. You know, there was fear, a lot of fear from teachers that how could I ever teach literacy and math and science and social studies and do it well and do justice to it. Um, there were other um, strong facts. Um, so our third grade teachers were homeroom based, like our kids need that classroom community. So it was an awesome way to get feelings from all perspectives at base two. Um, then we went to a third base and I tell you, we probably had 12 options or 15 right. options yeah. of how we could do and make some changes for groupings and scheduling. And we had them posted all around the library with the strengths and um, what were like some concerns that we might see. And so as a team, we had all of those posted. It was great because teams were coming with variations. So there'd be a, a 6B, a 6C, you know, variation yeah. to that. Um, but as a staff, we were the ones developing what were our solutions to really help our kids um, to be connected. We had we had something called guardrails is what we called. Um, these were our kind of criteria for success or um, what, you, what you might say that we need to have our tights. And we went around and kind of prioritized and eliminated things that didn't fit our guardrails. And we came up with, I think, three options at the end. And this small committee brought it out to our larger staff. And we had a staff meeting and we explained what are our solutions, what are the pros and cons and questions, and then let them give input. I call that the accordion piece as a yeah. leader. Oftentimes nice. you have a small group, bring it out to the big group, bring it back to the small group for refinement. Um, yeah. piece of that. And 
I'll say just, you know, the um, feelings, once you brought it out to the large group, feelings came back. So we had to go back to second base about Mm -hmm. what were the feelings and the fears. And I always look at it as these are valid feelings and fears, but what can we do to support you? What are the solutions that we can move forward with? And um, I think if you come with that supportive stance, any big change, um, people can make it through when you're really being clear about what is the change, what is the purpose, and then giving that support piece with it as well. So we came up with the, like, I'm so excited. Um, Third grade is homeroom-based. Fourth and fifth grade, we have a combo of half the grade is homeroom-based. The other um, half of the grade is something called partner-based. So if Terry and I were partners, he might be the math um, partner. I would be the literacy. So he would have his homeroom and do morning meeting, wind time, everything, math with his class. I would do all of the same with my class. And then just for math and literacy, we'd switch classes. So we could still be that expert in our um, topical area, but still have that classroom community. And actually, it has grown um, through COVID as now teachers, like during WIN, um, our two team of teachers, if we were the team, um, we would be working and using assessments like really like in time during WIN time. So if he had some kids that were struggling in fractions um, and they would be from both classes, he would have a small group for that week in WIN, really using those formative assessments to support kids. And I could do the same for literacy. So this partnership has really grown and teachers have really um, um, honored and valued kind of that piece. And I've given that choice because we said those were our best two models, our decision. How are we going to make that work? And teachers' voices came into it. um, And we've just really evolved through the pandemic and really better. We've done better for our kids. And I'm just proud of that change at OH Anderson. Yes. So you should be because you stayed right on the base path you stayed right on the science-based steps to help your staff solve their own challenge, the own, their own problem, just like you did with the restorative circle with uh, the guest teacher situation. You stayed right on the base path, right on the science. And when you stay on the science, then you don't get uh, taken out as a leader. People don't try to clip your legs off because they're just trying to solve the problem of the building. So, I'm going to go back to one moment there, which I thought was brilliant again. Oftentimes, third base is the hardest base for leaders to get from the ideas that you have to the home run. Uh, We're trained oftentimes uh, to run a SWOT analysis. So strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threat. So strengths is first base. Uh, Weaknesses is second base. Opportunities is third. And threats takes you back to second base. So we are trained with SWOT and it only gets you to third base. So there's a challenge there if you only run a SWOT analysis. So you got your staff to third base and you got the options visible. So, so many people are visual learners. So getting them up on the wall was critical, Mm -hmm. allowing them for pros and cons of options while allowing for additional options. So. At the end of every base, you have to ask anything else, any additional information, any additional reactions, any additional options. So you made space for additional options and the pros and cons to each new option. So you get up to 13 options. And like you said, you might have 6C as you get variations on the theme. Uh, And then you might dismiss your staff while you're there and then get that small group huddle that can meet for another hour or two to say, we're gonna bring you back a narrowed set 
of instead of 13, our best three. And you did that and then got the staff input again. You're going back to pros and cons, which is a lot of first and second base still, once you're in that vetting stage at third base. And eventually you get to one that the staff can support with the will of the school. It doesn't mean that every teacher is going to agree. It's the majority of your teachers are going to agree and you move forward with that will of the group. So a, a huge home run again. Way to go, Susie. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to put you to the test now. You know, uh, both elementary principals. Um, you ever use it at home? Like when you run the bases, when Harry's <laughs> driving you nuts, Susie, and say, hey, can I just bring you back to first base here? And well, um, I just bought a pair of golf clubs, and I want to know why. Really. He's, it, he's yeah. actually good at it, bringing me back. It's, it's the reverse, actually. But <laughs> we, So we can't escape it, Dave, because we are life partners, and we have PLC walks after work every day. I feel like the base paths are outside of our house, and we just walk <laughs> to each base. But we, we do use it constantly, and we were thinking a lot about this um, personally because any anything professionally is much easier to do sometimes than personally, right? And so that that R that reaction for Reds is there, obviously. So professionally, we say it's it's a nice place to visit, but not stay there. But sometimes personally, we stay there a little bit more than we should. And he always says, "You're at second base. <laughs> yes, we gotta let's, let's get back, back to up. first base because okay. I'm a feelings person at home, not as much at work." <laughs> yes. So, but we, you know, after much thought on this, we. Uh, there's three boys who had to select a college and we actually ran the base paths with each kid and their college selection. So as educators, sometimes we're, you know, everything's got to be down on paper, right? So we have a chart or a spreadsheet for everything right. in our life. And that was the start of first base for us. We, uh, my youngest, you know, we went to four or five college visits. And that's what you're doing. You're gathering all the information you can. Mm -hmm. And as soon as a kid steps on campus, you're gauging his reaction to, or her reaction to yeah. what the feelings are when you're there. Right. right. And then you, you, you leave and you go to another college and here's, there's the options. Right. Yeah. And then you have to start to do what, what um, Susie had mentioned about kind of uh, accordion, right. You bring it out wow. to the whole group. <laughs> and then you make decisions and you narrow your search. And, and we, we did that with all three kids and they all, we ran through it several times at each college until they selected the one that was best for them. So without even kind of naming it at that time, that's what we were doing um, <clears throat> with running the base pass with each kid. And, and it was a home run in each case. So um, yeah. And then there's our little talks every day, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but we're not, we're not going to go there. This is a family show. <laughs> yeah, we don't have time for that. Right? We don't have time for that. But, but I think that process with the kids, you know, kind of finding their colleges, I, yeah. I think it was helpful for them because as a 18-year-old, kids don't know exactly what they want to be when they grow up. They don't know, you know, their feelings to be a, a part. But we even talked about radius, big and little schools and all of that. And I think, you know, just even in that strengths and what are the questions or concerns that we have, um, you know, that's when you have those discussions about money, the real things, you know, what that what that means, because as an 18-year-old, they don't know that. So I think it's important as adults that you have a process to guide kids through that decision-making so that they feel like they are making the best decision for them. And I think all three of the boys have mm -hmm. found their place and, and it helped a lot, but we do use this 
in everything we do, um, building a pool in the backyard, you know, um, purchases, things, trips we're going to go on, um, disagreements about different things. We use that. Um, but he is good at bringing me back to the facts because sometimes I get into the feelings (laughs) with others, but it is a helpful process for us to use. And Dave, your first story, I think you shared with us when you introduced the base paths was just about selecting what's for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I, I go back to, uh, when I was a first year teacher, our superintendent shared a story that they did a study of national merit scholars. So they did, there's like thousands of national merit, merit scholars every year across the country. So some guy did a research and a project and tried to find hey, what traits are important for getting your kid to be a national merit scholar. And they sliced it every which way. And the only thing that they could find is that the families ate dinner together. Mm. And so what happens at dinner? So first you have to decide what's for dinner. So that's a fight. Mm-hmm. You have to work through that conflict every night to figure out what's for dinner. But once you're at dinner, look at all the restorative practice. Look at all the problem solving that happens when you're around that dinner table. So I like to use that example, but it's really important that families do their best to try to eat dinner or connect with their kid each day to help your kid problem solving. It's so important for mental health, what you're doing with your own family and what I'm doing with mine. It's just to make sure that you're always problem solving with your kids, running the bases, just go I-R-O-D, information, reactions, options, decision. You're the pitcher of the questions and you go as slow as you need to go to help your kids problem solve. So way to go, you guys. It was just great to have you on today. What a pleasure. You helped uh, hundreds of, of principals across the country with today's show. Uh, as a special gift, I, I have developed a 21 video course that goes with the 21 chapters of my Home Run Leadership book. So I'd like to give you, if you want to stay on the air, I'll give you a free code afterward that you can log right into and use that. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we sign off today? Well, I just, uh, you know, I have to personally thank you, Dave, because uh, you came in as superintendent in my second year and and you really did change my trajectory as a leader. So Thanks. I just appreciate you so much. And I just feel blessed that you were a mentor of mine for you know so many years. And, and how this um, particular process had kind of was shared here too. And is living and breathing in another school as well. And um, I just can't thank you enough for your guidance and your leadership uh, over the years. And it's really made an impact in so many areas. So appreciate you and what the gift that you've given to us. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. And you're both outstanding leaders and you're both making your district stronger. Um, I've now retired from the district where Terry and I work together. Uh, Terry continues to do great things. Uh, Susie, you do as well. So I always want to remind people that if you want to go great places, keep running the bases. So thanks for being on today's show and have a great week. Thank you. Thank you. Back to our reading. We hope you're enjoying the Home Run Leadership Podcast. You can find all of our Home Run Meeting facilitation resources to produce better, faster team decisions and shorter meetings at homerunleadership.com. Click the subscribe button now and go hit more team home runs.